Hello. Welcome back. I am excited to drop in with you today. And I want to talk about the comfort zone, (laughs) which is something that can get thrown around a lot when we're in the personal growth world, when we're in the self-help world, which even though I've broken up with self-help, you know, I do live in that world (laughs) as a coach, as a mentor, as someone who is really focused on transformation and growth. Um, all of those things, you know, the category that it often lives in when we're categorizing things is going to be self-help. So comfort zone is one of those concepts and teachings that lives in this place with me. And it's something I like to talk about. Um, so someone said to me recently, looking at kind of some of the drastic changes that had happened in my life, um, over the last 18 months or so, they said, oh, it's amazing how much your life changed when you got out of your comfort zone. And I just started laughing um, quite loudly and a lot because I absolutely did not focus on my comfort zone um, over the past 18 months when I was making really big shifts um, and changes in my life. My comfort zone was not something that I was concerned about or is is not something I even look at. And I want to tell you why I don't think that working with the comfort zone is what most of us need to be worried about and what we can do instead. Maybe what we're meaning behind this platitude, what's really more of a depth concept here and how can we actually yeah, get into a different relationship with understanding what it is that's being invited when someone says, get out of your comfort zone. So firstly, what I want to share is that one of the biggest reasons why I'm never going to be a proponent of using the language of comfort zone is most of us have a really distorted kind of effed up, um, understanding (laughs) um, of the concept of comfort and discomfort. So you know, comfort is something that we really look down upon in a lot of ways. And I'm a sympathetic dominant system. I'm a warrior. I have absolutely no problem with discomfort. In fact, discomfort can be a great home note for me. Um, I can really get addicted to struggle. I can really kind of get off on things being hard and besting challenges and having to work really hard. So There's something about this concept of getting out of your comfort zone that for a warrior can feel like super satisfying, like, oh, let me dig into this, you know, bloody steak and Um, and okay, that can be fueling for us a bit, but you know, for really even a warrior system, that's going to have a lot of false fuel to it. And we're going to maybe be more focused on outcome. We're going to override you know, wisdom, we're going to want to move faster than maybe certain parts of us are ready. And then for all of my parasympathetic dominant systems and probably most hybrid systems, there's going to be a huge cost to that type of force or pressure in your system. And it's going to have a lot of backlash. And 
you know, then there's also this way that often what feels comfortable, what we're talking about, what feels comfortable, what we're really looking at is what's become normal, irregardless of the cost that we're paying for it. No, you know, no clarity in terms of what it's really costing us. So I just think that even the words comfort, discomfort, uncomfortable, you know, all of these things there, they, we need to get we need to understand that we don't know what we're talking about um, for another person. And we just need to get clear in our own definitions of those words and how we're using them. And so I think it's just something that for me, it doesn't make a really clear teaching around. It doesn't make a really clear, it's not conceptually clear in what we're talking about when we say the comfort zone. Okay. So here's the other reason that I'm not a proponent of using comfort zone. So the word, um, was coined by Alistair White, or he is given credit for coining the phrase comfort zone. And what he was really looking at is high performance. How do you go from the current consistent performance and move towards high performance? And what he was looking at is that in our consistent performance, we've gotten used to certain set points. We are used to the level of control we can enact and what we're able to control is outcomes from our performance. We are comfortable with what might be the anxiety and stress at a certain level. He also felt that the reason he wanted to use the word comfort zone or why this made sense to him in terms of applying it towards high pressure was his belief was is that to go into high performance, a certain amount of stress is needed. Now, I absolutely agree with that. If we're looking at stress from its neutralized definition, which means it is a force that is asking for movement. So to go into any type of performance, we need stress. We're going to have to have stress. And okay, totally agree with that. Again, I think why this can be really unclear as a teaching is that most of us don't look at stress from this neutral aspect of force and movement we identify with the stressors and we get emotionally entangled with stress, meaning that we're not looking at stress as something that's requiring movement. We're looking at stress as something that's being done to us. And we look at, you know, the effects from more of our victim and sabotage consciousness. So that's really unclear. Like how much stress do I actually need to head towards high performance? Really comfort zone doesn't really help me clarify that. It also, um, let's just be honest, there's a lot of areas in my life where I am not ready for high performance. I'm a beginner, (laughs) maybe even less than a beginner. And the pressure to move into high performance, to get out of my quote unquote comfort zone and move towards high performance, when I have no actual foundation built, where I have no understanding, where I have no clarity and no practice. It's just ridiculous that I could move towards high performance from the place of zero. So again, we're applying something that's about peak performance, high performance, mastery towards the places in our life where we feel weak and we feel stagnant and we feel stuck. If I am in freeze, if I am stagnant, if I am out of clarity, if I have no practice, I am not ready to move towards high performance. I am not at the peak of my game, right? If I go out there and I want to start 
any sport. I was trying to think of one, but it's literally any sport. I had like zero real technical sports skills. I played basketball for a little bit as a kid, but even if I wanted to pick up basketball again, right. I'm at a beginning phase. Like I don't even have a fucking comfort zone. I don't even have a zone period in basketball. I need basics. I need someone to remind me of how my arms need to line up to shoot the ball or how I actually even understand the relationship between my pelvis and the ball and the basket. And how do I move when I'm dribbling? I don't, I'm not, I can't be concerned with peak performance. I need to be concerned with basics. So when we put this pressure on ourselves and when we act like there's some kind of magical um, hack, right? That's going to happen if I cut into my comfort zone, quote unquote, again, then then I'm going to have it all figured out. It's just to me a really unclear, unhelpful way. And you know what I see is it's kind of, a covert way of affirming our lack of worth and our lack of trustworthiness and our lack of real belief in ourselves. So here's some things we can extrapolate from the teaching of comfort zone and actually maybe make a little bit more clear. What Mr. White was looking at um, is the norm, the current norm and growth trajectory. So there is something really useful about looking and assessing and analyzing and being truthful with myself about where am I right now? And is this where I want to be? Where am I? Where do I want to be? And if those places are not the same, if there's a wide gap, um, yeah, becoming aware of some of the behaviors, the thoughts, the feelings, the um, identity that might have me stuck, that might have me following a path of norm that's not going to lead towards the growth I desire. That's really useful. That could be very helpful. Another thing we can recognize um, around thermodynamic principles is if my norm doesn't have a dynamic process that is going to lead to a conversion of energy, meaning if I am trying to to lock normal in, if I'm trying to mitigate or control change, because I think that if I get it right, or if I get the answer or now that I've got the right whatever, and I'm just going to try and stay at that place, then what happens is our norm actually becomes entropy and we're actually declining. So we're actually moving towards breakdown. And this is what happens for a lot of us. And it's usually in that breakdown that someone, you know, maybe ourselves in a well-meaning way might say, oh, you need to make change. You need to get out of your comfort zone. Um, Okay. So when our normal is trying to be controlled, when we have become really willing to pretend that change is not the actually the only norm that we can trust, right? Then as we break down towards chaos, that will trigger all of our safety issues and we'll start scrambling. 
And some of us scramble towards collapse and apathy and we feel a victim and we, you know, want to lay down and cry and we don't understand why this is happening to us. And our body starts to break down. And, you know, so all of those things can be evidence that entropy has taken over. Others of us, you know, like to fight back. I'm a fight back, right? Like I'm, I'm not going to take it lying down. I want to take it on my feet. And so I'm just going to create more chaos and struggle. Um, you know, being a little Tasmanian devil running around, maybe I make too much change, right? So we can hit, we can, as entropy takes over, we will have a secondary stress response that comes in that can either take us more into our parasympathetic maladaptions of collapse and apathy, or more into our sympathetic maladaptions towards erratic change or urgency. Either way, we're not moving from a clear place. And what we need to get really, um, become more aware of is that the change is constant. We're not meant to be locked in. We're meant to be in flow. We're meant to be ever moving, right? That's what the stress is asking. So if we can stop seeking a norm that is predicting something that we can control, but actually allow our norms to be predicting dynamic conversions, dynamic change, dynamic growth. And for so many of us, the dynamic growth we could actually focus on is simply feeling more. If we allowed ourselves to worry less about how that dynamic conversion of energy is going to materialize, but more just focus on how it could be felt, how we could sensorially habit the dynamic conversion of energy in our body. We're actually going to be setting ourselves up to stay out of entropy, which is where things are going to be breaking down and moving towards more order, more alignment right? So this is where that teaching of comfort zone, if we break it down, if we come into the depth of what is actually being invited here, it's that we're allowing ourselves to be willing to let the body go through a dynamic process of converting energy towards our intentions. And that is going to be best done by staying awake and available in the present with our own sensations, with our feeling states. And yes, sometimes emotions, but most of us, the moment we get into labeling um, an emotion, we tend to get rigid and we want to lock that in again as something that we can control and we want to stay there rather than recognizing that feelings are constantly going. There's an ebb and flow that's always happening in our body and our ability to dynamically convert that energy towards growth is actually being able to stay seated in the center of awareness while feelings flow, while energy moves. And that from this place, then this stress, and I'm saying that from, again, that neutralized place of like, it is a force that's activating movement. From that place, when we meet the stress of life, the the opportunity to move in the direction we want from this place of actually being alive and inhabiting the feeling senses is so, so powerful. And what it offers then is that we have a lot more choice and we also are going to have this place where we are more rooted and grounded and flowing at the same time. 
right? So what we want from an integrative place is to be really rooted into ourself, into our center, not rooted into rigidity, not anchored in a way that we are so concerned with making a mistake, not getting it right, doing the wrong thing, um, all of the things that we're judging and, and bringing guilt upon ourselves for, right? Surviving, all of those types of ways that we can get stuck in roots that don't serve a dynamic conversion of feeling because we're not available to feel when we're in that kind of rigidity. We're not available to feel when we're numb. We're not available to feel when we're so shut down because we're trying to survive things that don't need to be survived. So opening up, allowing ourselves to be in the flow of the present moment, allowing ourselves to be in sensation and allowing that to be moving us towards our intentions. Now, here's the thing, because so many people want to use the comfort zone as a way of actually not being super clear in what they're intending or desiring. So if we just focus on the comfort zone, then what we actually focus on is everything that we're not doing, all the things that are not going right, all the ways that we suck, where we are not blah, 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 right? Fill in the blank. We've all had this conversation. We all have, you know, books and books of journals where we have filled up about all the things we're not, and we're not doing right. And this is why. So it's a lot riskier. It's a lot more courageous to be in the intention of moving towards desire, not from the wanting clinging place, but desire as again, pure energy, the thing that feels most alive. And in that dynamic conversion, what happens is we recognize if I am moving towards something, it is moving towards me and we will meet in a present moment, right? So there's also this way that the comfort zone keeps offloading things towards the future, towards away from center, right? So here's three zones that I actually think when we get clear about our intention and desires can serve us more in focusing um, in, 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 in helping us, you know, coalesce our energy towards something and create something that's beautiful and make change growth. I mean, huge change moving to where you want to live, starting your business, attracting your dream clients, opening your voice, finding, um, you know, the, the peace and the clarity and the passion in relationships. All of these things are what I'm talking about. This is possible when we don't need to hide behind a comfort zone and we can define comfort and discomfort for ourselves in a way that works in our own languaging. And we get clear in where we're, what we desire. We get clear in what we're intending and we focus in these three places. So the first place that I love to think about the zone that's going to really, really help me and can be a lot more clear than the comfort zone is the belief zone, right? Paying attention to the beliefs. For some of us, we're going to have to start with paying attention to the disbeliefs, right? So what, what don't I believe is possible? What don't I believe about myself? However you enter this zone, the ability to begin to come into relationship with the subconscious beliefs that are creating your perspective and your orientation towards life is huge. 
another zone. I'm calling them zones just to keep it in the comfort zone kind of um, language, but it's focus, um, the focus zone. And again, I think we think of focus as an action rather than as a state. And I love to think about focus as the overarching state or the container through which I am being or doing. And we've got indirect focus and direct focus. And we really need to kind of zone in on how we are, who we are in both ways. So who am I when I have a direct point of focus? And my life is organized really specifically. We can think about this as being the huntress or, you know, sort of that Athena. um, It's not Athena, it's it's Artemis and Diana energy, right? The huntress with her bow and arrow, like, where am I taking aim? And how do I organize myself? Like, what is the ability to be organized very directly towards something? And then indirect focus, which honestly is as important And one of the least worked on places in our life, right? So the indirect focus, this is what is happening in your brain. Your um, reticular activating system is constantly um, filtering things indirect, like through indirect focus. So we're not consciously, cognitively sort of zoomed in into this place, but whatever filters that are, my RAS has is like what I actually see what I actually experienced, what I began to think and and believe is possible. We've also got the default mode network, which is the self we are when we're not organized or focused towards the external world, when we're not picking up that bow and arrow and saying, this is where I'm shooting. There is a way that we are automatically organized to this default mode network. And for most of us, it's really crappy. It's really tuned to shame and guilt and fear and unworthiness and not enoughness. And it takes cleaning out the subconscious to really have a default mode network that is set towards the potential and possibility and beauty and magic that is truly who you are. And what happens is if the default mode network, the self that is running automatically, this indirect focus self, if that place is really yucky, then it doesn't actually matter how much direct focus you have and how much ability to take action you have. What comes along is a self who is full of shame or feels like shit or is just really holding that addiction to the unworthiness. So we have to work focus in both sides. The last zone that I think is really important is the resource capacity or energy zone. And I think this is a place where so many times we are very, we just lie to ourselves and we're just really unclear about how much energy we currently have because we think it should always be more. And we don't know how to be in right relationship with the energy, our power. And so we're not... We just want to do the thing without ever having to say, do I have enough energy for this? Consequently, we also want to not do the thing and say, we don't have energy for this. So there's something about our relationship in this place of being resourced, of understanding how to work with our capacity and being willing to clean this up. And this takes time. It takes, 
it takes some time to clean up our capacity and where we've overloaded and where we've shut down and where we have borrowed and stolen from ourselves in order to uphold things that don't actually matter to us, which means a double cost in energy, right? Because if we're executing that talk, that takes energy, but then if it's a strain, if it's against the truth of who we are, if it's you know, causing more of, of, of the work in our system. Um, yeah, it, it takes more energy, right? So a lot of the times we use up all of our energy towards things that don't matter to us or things that we don't really want to be focused on. And then we are so mean to ourselves for the fact that we don't have the energy to do the things we say we, we want or that we want to be doing. And so if we can refocus in this area of our resource of energy, of how we're working with our capacity and start to be more clear and truthful and supportive, and also to recognize what season we're in, you know, so many times, um, you know, when I'm working with mamas and they are really hard on themselves for the fact that they're not doing X, Y, and Z in their business or in their service or in their creations. And they've got, you know, three kids under seven (laughs) and, you know, I just, okay. Not only are you keeping yourself alive, but you're keeping other people alive, right? Those kids under seven are still in survival mode for you to take care of, right? Like you're still really responsible for their life and all of their experiences that you're having to direct and monitor and all of that stuff. And that's a lot of energy. And it doesn't mean you can't be super duper successful with kids. Absolutely. You can, but there needs to be a reality check, right? Around how much energy do I have and how do I get really clear in what I'm doing with that energy of creation towards my service, towards my business. and you know, not punishing ourselves, not punishing ourselves for the way that we made choices in the past that we're still having to maybe disentangle so that we can get the energy back from all of these places. Let's just get into relationship with it rather than being a victim to it or trying to ignore it and just push through. Okay. So what are some of the criteria that you can use around your intentions, your desires, your dreams that invites a shift, supports growth and clarifies, right? And I, and that's really the question that we're working with here. And I just don't think the comfort zone is going to do that. So I think this could be really individual for each of us. Like what invites you to shift? What supports your growth? What helps you clarify the energy, the time, the space that you have for these desires and dreams? And then how do you create a structure that allows you to flow towards your place. So all of the work that I'm interested in inviting the world into, it's not that it can't have a catchy phrase such as the comfort zone, but it's that we're coming into a real relationship with the scripts and we're not living at the surface in a way that we are unconsciously creating more suffering, more excuses for guilt and shame and punishment. And we're not just in a relationship where we impose things upon ourselves. 
and we force things and we are, you know, in this judgment. I think one of the biggest myths that we can buy into is that there's a disconnect between the mind and the body. However, what I think we have to recognize is that there's not a disconnect between my mind and my body. I am unaware often of the connection between my mind and body. And those are different. And if I become aware of when I disconnect my body from my thinking self, when my thinking self begins to disregard what I feel, the knowing that my body has, the truth that is being moved through me, when I can become aware of that, then I can actually have a really different understanding of what it takes to stay in relationship with my own transformation. The last thing I want to say about this that I think is required that sometimes working with a platitude such as get out of your comfort zone doesn't invite is, did you get clear in what success is for you and why you're going for this thing? There isn't one look for (laughs) um, success, for transformation, for any of the places that you might be pursuing. There's not one look of it. And when we use the little box on social media, (laughs) you know, the the snapshot that someone else presents that says, oh, this is what you need. This is how you're supposed to do it. If you do it like me, then you're going to get what I got. It's just a really immature way for us to continue to operate. We are all of us individuals and every single one of our paths matter. And yes, we can learn from each other and we can inspire each other and we can ignite each other and we need each other. And I love looking at what other people have done. It's one of the reasons why I always stay in mentorship because I love looking at what people have done and how they're doing it. And you know, leapfrogging my consciousness through the path that they've already created, but it has to be my consciousness. It can't be a performance that's replicated to look like someone else's because that's not true to my own energy. And so I'm not going to sustain that for very long. And honestly, I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to be able to buy into it at thousand percent. I'm not going to not have an imposter around that. I'm not going to ever build the trust with me that is needed to become who I said I'm here to be and who, and, and, and so this willingness to be who you are, to be on your process, to get the support and the mentorship and the training that allows you to be you, to be on and in your own time. No one's late. (laughs) No one's early. We can only be on time because the present is when we are. And, you know, to be willing to find your own rhythm and pacing. This is one of the beautiful gifts that I've really had over the past years of working with so many people one-to-one is to become really intimately acquainted with different rhythms and pacings. And 
I think if there was one permission slip that I could give you to take from this little chat here, it's the permission to find your own rhythm and pacing and to recognize that you are not meant to be on in that green switch, go produce, execute, perform phase. Like that's not rhythm. That is a lack of rhythm. And so how do you start to find your own ebb and flow? How do you pace yourself so that you're remembering that you're a long distance flow sprinter and not just here for a quick ride and to really get into right relationship with belief, with focus and with your capacity and energy so that something like a comfort zone is not where you get stuck, (laughs) whatever that might mean, whatever you interpret that to mean, but that you get to be as comfortable as needed to meet the discomforts that are needed to find your own edges and to open to the real dream and desires and beauty that life is offering you. Okay. So that's my spiel for today. I'd love to hear from you on what your what you define as comfort and discomfort. Um, cause I find this really, I do really want to hear from you because I do find it fascinating the different definitions we have. So, like I said, just to wrap it up, I'm a warrior. I'm a sympathetic dominant system. So I actually need to invite comfort. So for me, growth in discomfort is not a problem, but it's not as sustainable and it's not as joyful and it's not as creatively satiating as when I invite comfort right? And you might be someone who is like, oh, I actually could build a little bit more of a relationship with trusting my strength to be in something that feels a little uncomfortable, right? We all get to be where we are and we all get to be honest about it if we're willing. And we can play with these words and we can break down some of these platitudes and go into the depth of the teaching and be willing to invite ourselves to move more towards that organized alignment that our soul is calling and not move towards the entropy and the chaos and the um, erraticness that the um, entropy of control um, and rigidity and fear of change would have us in. Um, Yeah, we get to spiritually mature in this journey. As hard as that can be, sometimes it's also exactly what we're here for. So, all right. Thanks for listening in. And thanks for everyone who's reached out over the past few weeks to tell me uh, how much you're getting from these little chats and rants. Um, It is my pleasure to be learning to create in this format and getting to share it with those of you who um, are open and available to listening for it. Um, I also do want to let you know, interviews are open for evolution. If you're curious about joining for the 2023 cohort, it's going to be amazing. You are welcome to shoot me any questions, contact at alishahalpin.com. You can find the link to the evolution page um, in the show notes. And if you are interested in this program and you know, you want the longest payment plan available, now is the time to get in because 
it's going to be over a year long for you to get to pay for this program. And I've got some sweet treats for you for joining early. And I am so excited to welcome you in to this transformational evolutionary work around true mastery without hiding behind our own shit. (laughs) All right. Have a great day.